All right. Oh, every time I hear this song, I mean, it's just, it's one of my favorites. And I know it's one of our next guest favorites, as we've talked about so many times. The one and only Trevor Maddich. He's singing. He's got his, I can see him waving his hands right now. Probably has his eyes closed. That's it. He's in another zone. He's probably asking you to pump it up, Nunchuck. Oh, yeah, Trevor. Just take me to another, another place, man. Another dimension. All right, that would be your cue to come on in, Trevor, anytime you want. Oh, well, I'm just enjoying the song. I know. He's in his own. I know. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and to me, that song is, is it, you know, fantasy. That To me, that means dream. It's your dream. Yeah. And I love it when they say, you know, that we'll do it as one. Maybe. To me, it's a team song. It's a team dream fulfillment song. I just love that. There it is. All right, my man. I know you have been... Uh, crazy busy uh we're watching you on espn and uh i loved uh i didn't get a chance to to tweet out uh the picture of you in the santa claus hat uh with the popcorn and that's what i meant to do today uh that's one of the best trevor maddich i believe it was it was sunday was it sunday you're just rolling around there and you're breaking it all down you've got the santa claus hat on christmas day and you busted out the popcorn. Uh, and I had the popcorn last night as I went and saw the Whitney Houston movie last night, Trevor. So I was thinking about you on, on that regard as well, too. Nice. How was the movie? It was excellent. It really was good. Uh, I was actually looking forward to seeing, you know, any musical movie, uh, you know, you, you, you got me. And then you give me the, you know, the hot, fresh popcorn. I'm dialed in, but, uh, I was impressed. Uh, the actress who played Whitney was phenomenal. Um, just, just, they did a, they did a great, a great job. Uh, the scenes were fantastic. Everything from costume to wardrobing, uh, the music, uh, the storyline, uh, uh, the acting, uh, I was very, very impressed. You know, that's really good. I, I love that. I want to go see that. The, the popcorn, it was for Trevor Claus. And of course, Trevor Claus yes. gives out gifts to college football every year. And Trevor Claus has kind of evolved into quite an irreverent little character. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of edgy, some of the gifts that he gives out. But that last one with the popcorn, that was the big finish because that was not Trevor Claus giving a gift to college football. Uh, that was college football giving a gift back to all of us with this playoff. Just what a, what a great lineup in the playoff. Ohio State against Georgia, TCU against Michigan. And so that was, you know, get your popcorn and sit back and watch because this is going to be a, a fantastic ending. I looking forward to it. And there, there's Trevor Claus coming to town. And he already came to town. You know, okay, Christmas is over. Now yeah. we gotta look forward to the to the New Year's, you know. Uh, yeah. well that that's why the gifts of Trevor Claus though. Like uh one of the gifts was to Alabama's receivers. Yes. They as a group had twenty five drops over the course of the year, <laughs> second worst in the SEC, one of the worst in the nation. And a lot of those drops, quarterback Bryce Young was hit hard as he threw it. To get the ball right into their hands and bam, they drop it. And so the gift for them was to help them so they don't drop it anymore. Because you know, DC footballs are hard to catch. They're not real big. They spin. I guess they're really hot because they drop it like it's hot. Thank you, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> and so their gift from Trevor Claus was a net, just a big, ginormous fishing net. Oh no! You know, so they can reach up and catch the ball in the net instead of having to catch it in their hands. I also was going to give them an NIL deal for uh, to from a. 
grease company, because, you know, there's all kinds of grease. There's axle grease, lithium grease. There's all kinds of grease. You know, they could lube up their fingers before they uh, go into a game and drop just as many passes. So that's the kind of thing that Trevor Claus does. You know, it, it's, uh, it's a gift to college football that college football needs. So here's what I want to know. How much time do you spend on coming up with with your gifts and who you're giving them to. I want to know what is the prep time in that. Uh, it takes a minute because you've got to you got to be thinking about uh, you know who would need something. It takes more than a minute. I, I want actual time. Uh, did you put a timer on it? Uh, no, I didn't. But it cost me about two hundred bucks to get all the gifts because we, we only used about one third of them, and that was twenty bucks, man. Uh, and so. But and, and then where does it go? Know, I mean, I would have paid for it. You of take course, a, the elves made them all. Right, I was going to say, what, then what do you do with it? You take it home to go fishing with, or you donate Might it someplace, well. or what do you do? Put it in your garage? What do you do? Might as well. Uh, with that, you know, there was a, there was a, we for Texas A and M. There was a a filing cabinet because they had such a bad season after oh. such high expectations that we figured we they should just file away the season. Don't even watch the tape. Forget about it. They're better than this. Just move forward. So I gave them a filing cabinet that was the appropriate filing cabinet for this season. Uh, it was a little toilet from Dollar Tree. It was a buck twenty-five, and uh, opened up the lid. He's and a thrifty shopper too. And put it in there and flushed it. Uh, you know, so this is the kind of stuff that Trevor Claus does. It's, it's pretty fun. So let me ask you: What uh, would you give to the UNLV football program? Considering how oh. bad it's been, and now it's on upswing, we hope with, with Barry Odom. But uh, you know, let's say, what 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 gift would you give the UNLV football program? Well, first of all, I would never, I would never be mean. I would never be irreverent to the to that program like you know I am to the big ones. Right. The big, the, the big guys, they got money. You know, they 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 can take a joke. The the teams like UNLV, programs like UNLV, I'd never, I'd never do anything that could be seen as being picking on them. Would never do it. Right. But, but they are heading in the right direction. You're totally right. And, uh, and they've got the foundation now with the facilities, the stadium they're playing in. Um, you know, they've got what they need. Now they just need to get all the players that they need to be able to punch it in their weight class and get everybody to buy in and then develop those players. And then there's guys around. I mean, the, the Las Vegas area itself has a whole bunch of guys that would be signing scholarships at the level of UNLV. In other words, a, a group of five program and a good group of five conference. And you can start there. Plus, you're just down the street from L.A. And halfway in between, you can stop and get all the best recruits from Barstow. Uh, I, I guess that's uh, that's a little mean. Uh, yeah. But not to UNLV. It's a little mean to Barstow. Right. Barstow so, and Needles. Don't forget, there's some studs out at Needles, too, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Well, most of the studs and needles transferred to Bishop Gorman, so uh, you can find them in the backyard. So that's good. What about Baker? Oh yeah, Baker's big too. Yeah, Baker's Baker's amazing. I mean, the, the Mad I don't think Baker plays football. I think they. I think they're into esports in Baker more than anything else. <laughs> esports meaning is that, is that the big thermometer um, at Baker? The, one, the big thermometer at the diner. Yeah. What's yeah. that? The, the, the big thermometer in Baker. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, yes. Yeah. I'll go. I'll t- I, I, I I kid. I kid because I tell you this: everybody, everybody there, the guys that play high school football, that coach high school football, they care about it just as much as the as modern day and LaSalle and all the rest of them. Man, they yeah. it's important to them, and they they work hard. And so I, that's why I'm real careful to save my you know kind of poking fun sure. at the at the big guys like Ohio State. What they got was uh, you know in lieu of the fact that they lost to Michigan not once but twice. They got chicken soup for the Buckeye's soul. It's an actual book uh, that my wife, my wife's an artist, so she yeah. made up the cover of the book. 
Um, and chapter one says that Buckeyes, if they feel bad, should replay on a loop on their television video of Michigan's party and storming the field after they beat Ohio State last year in Ann Arbor. Wait a minute, though. That doesn't sound like it's good for the Buckeye soul. Chapter two says they should play on their TV on a loop video of Michigan players celebrating on Ohio State's home field in Columbus and planting the flag on the O at the 50-yard line. Wait a minute. That's not good for the Buckeye soul. Wait, who wrote this? And then, then the author turns out to be Jim Harbaugh, Michigan's head coach. <laughs> of course. Right? So, yeah. But see, but see, I'll pick on. And then Georgia, who got the screaming goat last year because Alabama kept on beating them, they lost Alabama in the SEC championship game last year, but then turned around and beat Alabama in the national championship game. And, of course, the screaming goat is because science shows that when you scream, it helps make pain more tolerable. And so, you know, so we have a little uh, – a little screaming goat from from a bookstore I bought that uh, that actually screams. It's pretty funny, and um, but they regifted it to Ohio State <laughs> because Ohio State lost to Michigan twice in a row. But man, Ohio State has a chance to do what uh, uh, Georgia did, which is expunge that and beat Michigan in this case in the national championship game. And that possibility is there. So so I would do that to Ohio State because Ohio State can take a joke. <laughs> Right, and that's all it is—is is a joke. Um, UNLV, I, I, I would never do that too. I, I, I played at that level, and I understand that you know the the notoriety, not the notoriety, the media attention that they tend to get outside of the local market is sparse. Yep. And I don't want that attention to be negative. I would want it to be, of course, showcasing right. what's positive. Right. It, it, I know how busy you are, but after that diatrod or whatever you want to call it. And coming up with all of those things, I almost think that Trevor Manich has too much time on his hands. That's what I'm no. thinking. I mean, I, I, mean have a, I, I have a wife who's an artist. I know she's that's very true. creative, and she comes up with some of these ideas. She she came up with the filing cabinet idea for A and M. Not that that should be for A and M, but she said, "Nah, I was at Dollar Dollar Tree, and there was this little toilet, and I went, wait a minute, there's a what? You know, and so." We put our heads together. That is awesome. Uh, D- Dana, she's a star. There's no question about it. There it is. Yeah. The, the creative genius uh, behind Trevor Claus and uh, and uh, all your breakdowns. I, I love it. Uh, uh, I win beneath my wings, yeah. <laughs> all right, my friend. Let's uh, talk about Saturday. Saturday is, is going to be fantastic. Uh, where are you spending Saturday at as we have the two semifinal games, as we got the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl? Uh, I will be at ESPN Radio. Okay. Uh, every year for the the semis and the final, I do um, pregame, halftime, and postgame shows. So it'll be a long day. We'll do pre pre half and post for both of those games. And uh, I've already sent in a long list of of ideas to the producers. So you know, three big picture ideas. You know, three X factors for each team. Three reasons each team might win three ways that the opposing defense can handle the the other team's quarterback and so that's all going to be filtered into these shows it'll be a long day but tremendous fun all right let's talk about it tcu and michigan as we know michigan's an eight-point favorite in this game uh here we go man how do you think this thing is going to break down this is a tough one to call because Mich- or TCU is actually a good matchup for Michigan's defense. You know, Michigan's defense is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, they've got a, 
a senior corner who's going to be about a third-round draft choice. On the other side, they've got a freshman All-American corner, true freshman, who has been lights out. You know, they're strong up front, and no one's really been able to solve them. But TCU has the ingredients to do it because they've got the, the scheme and the talent and the speed to be able to bypass that tremendous front seven and get the ball outside, move the point of attack to a different spot, whether it's a, a jet sweep, whether it's the quarterback, Max Duggan, running himself, which creates uh, extra stress on the defense. And so they're probably going to have to bring up a guy out of the secondary to fill the alley so that that jet sweep and especially that quarterback run out there doesn't break into open space. But when you do that, you leave man coverage in the secondary. And TCU's got four receivers that are likely to be in the NFL. One will be a first-round draft choice in April. That's Quentin Johnston. You've heard a lot about him. He's 6'4", 215. You cover him with one guy, I don't care how close that guy is. He's just so big and physical and athletic that he's going to beat you anyway. You bracket him, there's three other guys that are either bigger than you or faster than you that you've got to cover man. And so this will allow TCU to pick their spots in terms of matchups because they've got the scheme and the players to be able to go anywhere they want on the field so that they don't have to run through the teeth of the strength of the Michigan defense. Trevor, we, you know, we know any time that we hear a team coming out of the Big 12, whether it's Oklahoma or whoever it is, Baylor, uh, TCU this year, there's a little skepticism there. And, and I'm guilty of this myself too. And I'm just saying, I watched TCU a lot this year. They scored a ton of points, averaging 40 a game, but they give up a lot of points as well, too. Even though the defense was, was, was very good this year, but there's still that stigma. Okay. They're coming from the Big 12. And the flip side, you know, Michigan, we hear all about the staunch defense, giving up 13 points per game, but you know, I cannot get out of my head that game against Illinois at the end. And they really didn't play that tough of a schedule here. I, I don't know how I'm really on the fence here on who I like in this game, especially from a point spread issue with Michigan being favored by eight here. Is this a game that TCU can actually shock some people and actually pull off the upset? It's it's possible. It is possible. Again, if you look at that defense, that's where people see the weak spot of TCU. And they're right. I mean, early in the season, they got they got trucked. But as the season went on, they got better. And they've got individuals that can do stuff. I mean, the, the Thorpe winner this year for the best defensive back in college football was Travius Hodges Tomlinson, TCU's league cornerback. They've got a couple of guys inside in terms of linebackers, et cetera, that cause all kinds of trouble. D. Winters is an outside linebacker that they move around, and he's very disruptive. Seven and a half sacks, gets behind the line, causes all kinds of havoc and chaos. And they've been doing much better at not giving up the big play as the season wore on. You look at Michigan on that side, you know, the, the interesting thing is in the playoff, the only quarterback that was not a Heisman uh, finalist in New York was JJ McCarthy of Michigan. Now McCarthy has about as elevated self image as any human being I've, I've seen in recent memory. Uh, and, uh, and certainly he has done a lot of really good things, but at the same time, I think that a lot of his best stuff uh, has been more bad defense than great McCarthy. For example, people think that Michigan's offense shredded Ohio State's defense. It didn't. There were five big plays that were all, you know, a combination of either really good blocking or 
busted coverage or missed tackle downfield. And so three of those plays were long touchdown passes uh, from McCarthy to a couple different guys. And McCarthy certainly got the ball there. McCarthy certainly made nice throws. But you're talking about one guy that broke a tackle, and there was no safety back there to clean up the damage. And then two others was busted coverages, and guys were running wide open behind the defense. So, yeah, that was big play and all that. But can you really say, yeah, look how great I am? If you don't fit that ball into a tight NFL window, I'm thinking, okay, well, you took what was there, but you're not the only guy that would have taken what's there because what's there was huge. So I'm not saying McCarthy can't play. What I am saying, though, is that if he believes what he he seems to believe about his capabilities, he might end up putting that ball in harm's way because he's not as accurate as he thinks. Great point. Trevor Mads joins us, ESPN College Football, talking about the college football national semifinals, TCU-Michigan and Ohio State in Georgia. All right, in the Ohio State-Georgia game, Trevor, we know Ohio State's got a chip on their shoulder. They've never been an underdog in any game this season. We know they got waxed, like you mentioned, uh, at home against Michigan. Uh, revenge can always be a, a, a sweet thing here. And then you got the national champs on the other side, and they're looking to go back-to-back. I mean, no one's done it here. How do you see this game? This is actually a, a really good matchup as well. The impression nationally of Ohio State is that they are tough. But that's not true. That's not fair. They are very tough. Michigan beat them in a game that the Buckeyes were, were, were smashing the Michigan just as much as Michigan was smashing them, except for those big plays. And those are mistakes that are correctable. They weren't necessarily getting dominated by a superior team. And I expect Ohio State to correct those mistakes on defense and not give up big plays for the reason they did against Michigan, which is they just messed up. You know, Georgia might make the play. That's fine. But don't let it be made because Ohio State messes up. But they have a massive chip on their shoulder because for several years, people have been saying they weren't tough. You know, they they got trucked by Michigan last year in the rivalry game. For a whole year, they were bitter and angry and swearing revenge. And then they gave up those big plays and lost this one. And the narrative continues. And now all of a sudden, they've got a potential for resurrection. And so they, they have a huge chip on their shoulder, and they're as talented as anybody in this playoff. So you put that combination together, and this Ohio State team is very dangerous. When you look at Georgia, all right, we, we look at a guy like Stenson Bennett, who was basically at, at the bottom of the of the quarterback chart at the beginning of the season, kind of like Max Duggan over at TCU. And these guys have just played fantastic okay but when we're talking about georgia here and the idea of going back to back i mean they seem pretty focused as well too here but when you look at this georgia team what is their strength well their strength this year ironically is their offense i mean their defense is dominant like it was last year probably not as loaded with playmakers but it's still dominant i mean when you think about this georgia georgia team they have reloaded successfully. They had 15 guys drafted off of last year's team. They lost 13 guys, including four starters, to the transfer portal last year. And all they did was reload, and statistically, they're similar on defense, and on offense, they're better because the offensive line is now better and more experienced. Brock Bowers, the great tight ends in his sophomore year. The other tight end, 6'7", 270-pound Darnell Washington, is now starting to flourish. The uh, the quarterback, Stetson Bennett, 
now is fully integrated with everything, and he'll be even better than he was last year when he led them to a national championship. And so this Georgia team, top to bottom, is even better than they were before. I think that the thing uh, that Ohio State will watch in their offensive meeting room is the Georgia defense in the SEC championship game. LSU threw for over 500 yards, 502 yards against Georgia secondary. And it wasn't like it was garbage time and the backups were in. The starters were getting torched. And that was from Jaden Daniels, the starter for LSU, a quarterback, and his backup, Garrett Nussmeyer. And uh, part of the reason was LSU has one of the best wide receiving groups in the nation. And when they caught the ball, they were hard to tackle. Part of the reason was the Georgia secondary lost sight of the ball. They didn't know where the ball was. And a lot of those throws were bad throws. But when the receiver saw the bad throw and the defensive back didn't, the DB continued on and the receiver stopped for the catch. So it turned out to look good in the box score. They also lost track of receivers on the scramble drill where the LSU quarterback would take off, scramble around, and next thing you know, there's someone standing wide open in the end zone because the coverage didn't, didn't stay with it. These are also correctable mistakes, but, and you can say Georgia will tell you that it was an anomaly because they, they shut down Tennessee's fantastic passing offense when they played in the regular season, held in and hooker to less than six yards per pass attempt. I mean, it was a phenomenal, but in this case, Against this great LSU receiving room, the Georgia defensive backs fell apart. Ohio State will look at that and say, look, our receiving room is at least as good as LSU's, but our quarterback and offensive line for protection are much, much better than LSU. So Georgia's defense had better be ready because the Ohio State passing attack is going to make them prove that that was an anomaly. You know, similar matchup we saw last year in the college football playoff when Georgia was number three and Michigan was number two, and Georgia trucked them, to use your word, your vernacular there. Uh, they, 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 they crushed them, 34-11. to 11. Could that happen here again? Because anytime we're talking about SEC Big Ten, these are the type of results we, we look at. Do we put anything into those games and those teams last year compared to this year? I would put less into it because the teams are different now. The Michigan team that got that got crushed in the semi by Georgia last year is a team whose passing game was incredibly pedestrian. They're better now than they were, but it's still not a terribly terribly dynamic passing attack for Michigan. Ohio State is a dynamic passing attack. Their their running back health situation will be important. If Mayan Williams can come back and play at a high level, then Ohio State has a better chance to be balanced. But I think that in watching tape of that game last year, the uh, Ohio State defense is going to realize that the first thing they need to do is just be incredibly physical, and I think they will be. Um, Georgia, you know, they got to stop the tight ends first. I mean, obviously the, the tight ends for Georgia are, are the, the two biggest matchup nightmares on one single team in all of college football. And I think Ohio State knows that. But they've got athletes. And so they will force Georgia to beat them rather than messing up and beating themselves. And and so I don't think last year you can really look into what happened. Um, one thing you might, though, is TCU runs a 3-3-5 defense like Cincinnati did last year. Remember, Alabama just, just yep. packed it in and, and ran the ball. And so I think Michigan is going to try to do the same thing. And so that 3-3-5 defense with only three defensive linemen on the field against the best offensive line in football, Michigan, plus one or two or three tight ends at a time, uh, they're going to have to figure out how to match up with all that beef. And so I think they, they will, they will have learned from last year 
that you can't just stand there and get truck. All right, we're looking forward to it. Quick pick, Trevor. Who you got? Well, I'm leaning right now. I haven't made the pick yet, but I'm right. leaning chalk. Okay. I think Georgia Georgia has uh, more individuals on both sides of the ball that are just wrecking balls than Ohio State does. And I think Michigan is eventually going to wear down the TCU defense. And so I'm leaning chalk. All right, brother. Well, we'll let you get back to work. We appreciate the time, as always. Look forward to talking with you on Friday as well as next week. It is the college football playoff, and it will be exciting on Saturday. Brother, appreciate you as always. Thanks, TC. There he is, Trevor Match, ESPN's college football, and our guru.